My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances, whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death. We all want to know, what happened next? To find out, listen to Womanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I won't let my body outweigh, outweigh everything that I'm made of. Won't spend my life trying to change. I'm learning to love who I am. I am strong. I feel free. I know every part of me. It's beautiful, and I will always outweigh. If you feel it, put your hands in the air. Show some love to the new while you're there. Let's take it one day at a time, cause you and I outweigh. Hey, Outweigh fam. Happy Saturday. Amy and Lisa here. And it's just us, no guests today, but we're going to be going over some really important stuff. But I do want to start off with just a little story that went down between uh, Lisa and myself this week. Well, I guess where it started, Lisa, is I was in the pantry and I was getting some chips out and realized like, oh, wow, look at this. Like I have this whole pantry full of food and access to this food and I can have it whenever I want it. And these were tortilla chips. I think they maybe were even like siete. And I thought back, I had a flashback to, oh my gosh, I remember when I used to put siete chips in a food safe to where you could set a timer. If you had it, then you couldn't get back into that box of food. Really, they sell it for food, cigarettes, cell phones. Like if you have a certain limit where you're trying to stay off of something, you can lock it away. It was marketed as food to me. And even on Amazon, they have M&Ms in the clear container or they have cell phones. 
So it really can be used for anything, but we're calling it a food safe because it was in my pantry. So it was a food safe. And I would lock myself out of the chips for 24 hours because I felt like if I had had my quote unquote serving, then I didn't need to have them again. And this was a way to ensure that I didn't eat them. And I was working with a, you know, honestly, I don't even know if they're a registered dietitian or what their credentials are, but it was someone that I had paid money to, to help advise me on my eating. And that person introduced me to a food safe. I never heard of a food safe. And looking back, I'm thinking, what in the world? So then I text Lisa the food safe and she's thinking, what? I've never even heard of this. So is that seriously, that's something you'd never heard of? I mean, I've heard of people doing things like putting maybe locks on their own refrigerator so they don't eat at night and stuff like that. But I I never heard of the term the food safe before. And I never heard of like you can put your own time limit, I guess, of when you can reopen it. So I'm just curious now that I feel like we all understand the concept of the food safe. What was it like mentally when the box locked for you? Like, did it quote unquote work? Did you stop thinking? about the chips? Did you find another way to get chips? Did you wait until that 24 hours was up and then run back to that same bag of chips that was in the safe? Well, I mean, I think in a way it did its job because I wouldn't eat the whole bag. And that's what I was trying to avoid Mm. was eating the whole bag or eating too much in one day. I know it just continued the obsession and the addiction to this and I couldn't lock away everything. Well, that's my question. Did you, okay, so now the chips are Mm -hmm. locked up. Is it like, okay, I'm going to, you know, forage for something else? Yeah, because I had not done the work to reset my brain as to why I kept going in for more and more and more. And that took a lot of work and read, like I read several books, had to unlearn like a lot of things, but constantly like, here's what a brain over binge taught me in my binges and where I would go. I would go to the pantry and have to like stop and walk away. And once I walked away enough, I started to unlearn some of the stuff because I was, and also I was no longer restricting. So then my body was like, oh, cool. Mm. Like I actually have fuel. So if you keep telling your brain no and walking away, then that gets easier the more times I did it. So anyway, I, when I had the food safe, I was still living in such a place of restriction. So my body was craving food and I was denying it on all kinds of levels, including locking my food away. Yeah. I mean, for myself and clients that I've worked with, it's like even when we say, "Okay, I'm not going to have this food, we jump to the next food. And oftentimes we do what's called like food chasing almost where we just keep chasing after eating and we just keep changing what it is. Okay, so now we're not having the chips, but now we've moved on to popcorn. Okay, now I've had salty. Let me move on to sweet. Let me move on. I had sweet. Let me move back on to salty. And it becomes this whole thing where at the end of it, you just feel really uncomfortable physically and emotionally, you know, you're consumed with guilt. You're frustrated. You don't know why you're like this because, I mean, I know when I've been in those situations, Amy, I don't know about you. I mean, I know you had the food safe at the moment, but when I've been in any of those situations, I feel like I'm possessed, like you can't stop me from getting that food, whether it's ordering a food online or going very far out of my way to get it or just eating anything that's almost available. And it's so interesting because never 
did I think that at that time, and I think you too, that the inner work could change your relationship to all these foods. Like we thought that it was the foods. Let me lock them up. For me, I did things like trying to suppress my appetite. Like I thought I was the problem. You thought you were the problem. So you tried to control yourself or the things that were impeding you from feeling like you could just be a normal person who just eats chips, you know? Yeah. I didn't trust myself. Like at the end of the day, I didn't know how to listen to my body's cues. I didn't have any. Mm. My body probably quite literally was trying to communicate to me and my brain, like we're hungry. We're actually are starving, even though you're feeding us so much Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes. But I had so many bouts of restriction as well that I never knew how to accurately read what in the world was going on. Yeah. And I think that like a lot of everybody here listening, like take a moment to think about what's one food that you feel like you just can't keep in the house. I feel like everybody kind of has that one food that they can't keep in the house that they won't buy. If they do buy, they might do things like eat a few and then actually throw out the rest of them because it's just they can't be controlled. Or they might go ahead and make the healthier version of the thing that they can't have because this food has proven to them so many times that uh, they're out of control with it. For me, that was chocolate covered almonds. I did not think that I could do a handful of chocolate covered almonds because whenever I had the almonds, I had all of the almonds. And that's one of the foods that I really still enjoy to this day. And I find it so interesting that I have a few and I'm like, wow, this this is good. And I put the rest back. And sometimes the almonds will sit there for a month, two months, you know, and not because I locked them up and not because I said I could only have three a day and not for any other reason other than I made peace with them. I stopped demonizing them. I allowed myself to actually trust them. And then on top of just the almonds, I eat enough regularly and have well balanced. So I'm not turning to the almonds like by the point where I have no calories or energy left in me that all I can do is kind of gobble them all up, if that makes any sense. Yeah. I have a lot of foods that are on that list. Now anything is welcome in my home, but probably the most recent example, like literally in my freezer right now, is Girl Scout cookies, Thin Mints. And I love keeping them in the freezer. But if Girl Scout cookie season came around, I was always terrified because I'm like, oh, great. Now I'm going to get a box of Thin Mints and I'm going to have to eat the whole thing or I'm going to take a few and have to throw the rest out because again, I don't trust myself. And now I share this and Lisa, you share this too as hope not to be like, hey, hey, look at us. We can keep this food in our house, but that you can get there because I used to be so envious of people that could do that. Like buy a box of Girl Scout cookies and not eat it all the day you bought them or not have to throw them out. And so I am a walking testimony to the fact that I've got the Thin Mints in my freezer and there are days I don't even think about them in there. And I open it up and I'm like, oh, there's the Thin Mints and I get whatever else I needed and I close the door. And then eventually if I want one, I eat it. If not, I don't. So it's so fascinating, though, because I think that, you know, everybody listening is probably like, oh, I want to get to that place. I want to get to that place where I can have the thin mints in my house, the chocolate covered almonds. I've had clients say that they can't keep dried mango in the house. I mean, it could be any food that you just tear through. It does not need to be, you know, any type of 
indulgent type thing. Yeah, it does not need to be an indulgent type food. It could literally be a piece of dried fruit. It could be raisins, you know, for all I care. And the one thing that I will say about my own quote unquote arrival or my aha moment, and I don't know if you feel this way, is that wasn't the goal. I didn't go after the goal of fixing my relationship to food so that I could keep chocolate covered almonds in the house. I did the inner work so that I could have inner peace. And a side effect one day was walking into the almonds and realizing that I bought them a month ago and I was still working through them, not because I restricted, not because I allowed myself to have a certain amount, but because they were just almonds and they were just there and there was no big deal to have them at that point. I don't know if you had that type of same journey, Amy, or if yours kind of is always like, well, I just want to, you know. I think it's a little bit of both, but the chaos you feel inside when you're dealing with any type of addiction or disorder or something that's going on where you clearly have an unhealthy relationship with XYZ, you feel chaotic. You don't feel calm. You're in a constant state of like, go, 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 go. Like your brain is just spinning with all of these thoughts. I mean, we've talked before about the freedom that you get just even in your brain. And I think that that's where um, the, the space that we take up when we're obsessing over certain things that don't matter, then it frees you up to really take in things that matter. And for yeah. me, I wanted to put in the work because I wanted to be able to have the bandwidth for that. I no longer wanted to waste all of this space and energy on something that did nothing for me. I mean, maybe in uh, the moments where I was uh, almost like an out-of-body experience, I had this temporary like high of a sorts, but that was fleeting super quick. And Mm -hmm. so then I was left with what? And those are just in the moments where, you know, I was eating and maybe having negative thoughts or different things that were going on. But those thoughts, and you've spoken to this too, like you would lay your head down at night thinking about it. You would wake up in the morning thinking about it. And so, yeah, just the peace. I was so busy. I was so just busy. You know, you said the word calm, and I think that's what it comes down to. On March 21st, so on Sunday, I'm kicking off the next session of Fork the Noise Hungerfulness. And I spent two years working on this course, and it really boils down to helping to take people from mind-body disconnection back to connection. And when we're in that disconnected space, it's like we can't read our bodies. We don't trust ourselves. We are so busy trying to figure out what we need to do to make up for eating this, that we're buying food safes, that we're we're just so busy trying to control from the exterior that we've lost that inner connection that all of us are born with. And last year, I got so nerdy and into the research when I started to look into something called interoception. So it's a big word. And what I love about this is that we have a sense in our body called interoception. And it's how our bodies communicate exactly what they need. And it's how our brain represents exactly what's happening in our body. So the body and brain are just like constantly communicating and the body's communicating with the brain what it needs. And then the brain lets us know what to do to assist in it. So an easy example of this being intact would be when you have to urinate, you know, you go to the bathroom. When you are cold, you get a jacket, right? But when it comes to things like food, ooh, I want this food or I'm hungry, we have so much noise that infiltrated the way of letting us know that we shouldn't feel hungry, that hunger is a bad thing, that eating is a bad thing, that eating, eating certain foods at certain times and certain amounts are a bad thing, that we've become disconnected to that cue. 
And now we're kind of left in this place of like, well, I don't know how to listen to my body. You know, I think all of our listeners would agree or or say, I want to get there, but I don't know how to get there. And that's so scary because how how do you get there? How do you take those next steps besides for listening to podcasts, reading books? You know, how do you reform that trust in your body when everything you've learned and picked up along the way has been sent to disrupt it when it comes to food? And so is this course and I'm I'm speaking as someone who has taken Lisa's courses and highly benefited from them. Lisa is a huge part of why I am where I am. And I found her on Instagram. So I, <laughs> I'm beyond thankful there at the time I'll frame it like a puzzle. Cause I'm really into puzzles now, but I had maybe <laughs> this little, it's a little teeny tiny puzzle, but there were several different pieces to the puzzle that I needed. And Lisa and her courses were one of them. And so is that something that you unpack in the course, obviously? Like, what can we expect? Yeah. So, I mean, all of my courses and all of the work that I do in this world when it comes to food and just like life has to come down to coming back home to our bodies and allowing ourselves to experience body awareness. Our bodies are sending us information all the time, whether it's about our emotions or our how cold we are or how hungry we are or whatever it is that we need. The body is or we're anxious or you know whatever it is, it's sending us communication signals. But there's so much going on exterior wise or coming from the outside coming in that we're really numb to that beautiful connection that's intact. And so mindfulness is kind of the key to all of my work. And what I found fascinating when I started to learn about interoception, because as soon as I was like, wait a minute, this is something we all have. There's research to prove this stuff exists. There's a part of our brain called the insula cortex that specifically controls our interoceptive awareness. I'm like, okay, I can get people to believe that they can do this and believing that they can do this is kind of the first step, I think, of knowing that there's that hope that you talked about, right? Like your body is meant to do this stuff. Let's just take it back to the basics. And so I very quickly found that when it comes to interoceptive awareness and being able to understand our bodies, the best way to improve that is through mindfulness practices, by meditation, by stillness, by being non-judging to our emotions and our sensations by being non-reactive, right? Buying the food safe is reactive, Amy, right? Like me going on a diet on Monday because I ate blah, blah, blah is reactive. Well, okay. But I will say, I again, I was given this information from somebody that I trusted. And I feel like a lot of us, when if listeners now may be like, well, wait a second, I might be doing X, Y, and Z, but somebody that I look up to in quote unquote health and nutrition told me to do X, Y, and Z. Mm. So now I yeah. know how to to separate the noise, I guess I would say, because mm. there are a lot of really awesome people, but giving mm, information that would counter exactly what we're trying to do here. And by society standards, they're not doing anything wrong. So I would just say like, I don't know why I wanted to interject this, but that the noise can even mm. come from really respectable yeah. people that mm -hmm. don't mean any harm. So the noise I had to shut out was from myself, but also from people that are, you know, looked to for advice on how to care for their bodies. And then at the same time, it was doing me such damage. 
Well, I think fortunately, I know this was a number of years ago with the food safe, you know, the words disordered eating didn't exist. And in the absence of talking about this stuff all the time, a lot of practitioners weren't trained to know what disordered eating was. It wasn't brought to the attention. And so by trying to help you with what you came as your problem portions or not being able to control yourself, she offered the quote unquote solution. I'm sure there's plenty of people that would say that that's, you know, still fine. But but we have to dig deeper. And that's what I love about this is this isn't a Band-Aid. This is more of like going in for surgery. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, it's really about, you know, what it's called hunger and fullness, but even that is an oversimplification of what this course is. I think most people that hear the name Fork the Noise Hunger Fullness think that it's going to be, okay, well, if I could just listen to my hunger and listen to my fullness, then everything would be easy. My problem is, is that I overeat. I hear this one all the time. I don't know. Lately, I've been hearing it more often than I restrict. I've been hearing of, oh, restriction isn't my problem, Lisa. You talk about that all the time. Overeating is my problem. But then when we break down why they overeat, it's actually because of restriction. It might be restriction in a different way than you had it, Amy, which is different than the way I restricted. So the way that I used to restrict was with saying what foods that I specifically could eat at what times by um, staving off hunger as long as I could because I viewed hunger and feeling it almost as like powerful. I know it's a little bit sick and twisted, but you know, you can kind of relate in some way. And I thought that once I started eating, I wouldn't be able to stop. And I proved that to myself every single time because I'd find myself going into meals so hungry that I was not selective about what I'd eat. I ate food so freaking fast. Like it was always like shovel into the mouth. And I was always scared. I did. This was so unconscious, by the way, that I didn't know when my next meal would be because I was always trying to get back to that place of, okay, I'm not going to eat till I'm really, really hungry, that it was like my window of opportunity to eat. But I never thought, oh, maybe you should change how you go into the meal differently. I thought, oh, I just need to control what Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. I'm Abby, a mother of two, and I had these battles myself. Endless excuses, delay tactics, and many tears and tantrums. But I've created a solution. The perfect kids podcast that makes bedtime a dream. It's called Koala Moon, and it's hosted by me, Abby. With over 300 episodes, packed with original stories and sleep meditations, Koala Moon makes bedtimes easy and enjoyable. Episodes start out engaging and really rather magical, but as they progress, they gently slow to a calm and relaxing pace to have your little ones out like a light. Since launching in 2022, Koala Moon has helped with over 20 million nights sleep and received over 6,000 five-star reviews. Win back your evenings. Listen to Koala Moon now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess the 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again, the First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances, and the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. 
these stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I eat, if that makes sense. So this course isn't just about learning the gentle cues of, oh, this is what an appropriate level of hunger should feel like when you start a meal. Your blood sugar shouldn't be dropped to the floor. You shouldn't feel like you're dizzy. You shouldn't be lightheaded. You shouldn't be cranky. In fact, it should be just a a very undramatic drop in your blood sugar before you reach for something to eat most of the time. Of course, there are situations where, you know, we get a little bit more low and we're not as focused on, on food. But the other thing that this course really hopes to disrupt is this idea that the only time we're allowed to eat is because we're physically hungry. So that, you know, as human beings, I think that we just need to recognize that we eat for a million and one different reasons. And I call these things different types of hunger because all the word hunger means is a motivation to eat. And sometimes we eat things like chips, right? When we're not physically hungry. So maybe we already had our turkey sandwich for lunch and an apple and maybe popcorn, but there's something about chips that still sounds good, right? Most people would say, oh, I shouldn't have eaten those. I wasn't hungry. But when we expand the definition to include something like I include 11 types of hunger in this course to start thinking about, like mouth hunger. Your mouth just wants a chip, right? It sounds really good. It makes you salivate. Or maybe it's a brownie if you're not a a salty person. Right now I'm pregnant and all about the chips and the salty. So that's just where (laughs) my head's at right now. (laughs) But a lot of people, you know, are the sweet tooth person when it comes to mouth hunger. Oh, I want that donut. I can't have it. I already ate. When you give yourself permission, I call it the power of permission to eat because of mouth hunger or because of bonding hunger is another one. You and Stashira sharing what's a food that you recently recently had together like for fun. Oh, peanut M&M's. Peanut M&M's, right? Like you probably didn't have the peanut M&M's be- as your dinner. No. Maybe you weren't even craving them. It wasn't even mouth hunger where they sounded so amazing. But it was an opportunity to n- bond with Tashira as well as, you know, do something really important for setting the tone of food in your home. So that is a reason to eat, right? Yeah. Can you imagine you said, oh, I can't have those peanut M&M's. I already ate. 
right? <laughs> Which I have done before early on. Like uh, for anybody that's new, I adopted my kids uh, and they were older. Stashira arrived here when she was 10 from Haiti and I had such strict food rules then. And now she's almost 14 and our my relationship with food is very different. Therefore, my relationship around food and her and things that I eat with her and because of her, she also got this, what is that uh, Japanese ice cream mochi? Yes. Mochi. So mochi. she loves mochi and she loves the mango one. And she's like, mom, let's have some mochi. And so we get out of the freezer and we cut one in half and we have it together. And that's something I literally would not have been able to enjoy with her. And yeah, same thing with the peanut M&Ms. We went to the gas station. There was a bag that says, you know, like tear and share or whatever. She's like, mom, let's tear and share. That's a moment. That's a thing. No, I wasn't hungry. But was it cool to be able to do that with her and not, you know, completely stress out about it? 100%. And I'll just correct you to say you weren't physically hungry, right? There was a motivation to consume them, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, (laughs) I need to learn these 11 hungers. (laughs) Well, you know, you're kind of at a level where it's coming very naturally to you. And I'm at the place where it's naturally to me as well. Every time I want to eat something, I'm not, oh, what type of hunger is this to give myself permission? But in the beginning, when we're so wrapped up in, oh, I should do this. I shouldn't do this. I can't believe I did this. That whole negative thought cycle around food. We can elevate our consciousness, which basically just means, hey, get present, get out of your head and into your body and say, why do I want this? I want this because, oh, this food reminds me of my grandma and I miss her today. This that's memory hunger, I call it. You know, I'm doing this with Tashira was social bonding hunger. You know, there's so many other types, but those are just some examples of I don't want anybody to sign up for this course thinking that it's just about learning to tune into those sensations of hunger and stop when you're full because you want to lose weight. We don't do this course because we want to lose weight. Sometimes people's weights do change. I get that as feedback. It's not something that I'm looking to, you know, use to talk about this program. But some people will say I actually did end up losing weight because my relationship to food is really peaceful now. And I'm ending meals at a comfortable place because I'm going in at a comfortable place. And so I care far more about the inner peace that people are finding rather than, you know, the typical ways that we quantify success. So like a program like this, Lisa, what can people expect the time commitment to be? So this is actually my third time running it, second time in 2021. We just wrapped up the last course and it was super successful. And I personally just love this because I get to see some of your faces. It's a six week program. So each week for six weeks, a new module is dropped. So when we kick off on March 21st on Sunday, your first module is going to be released. You'll get your module, which has pre-recorded video lessons. And then some of the modules have some extra things like a meditation or some home work or a worksheet for you to pretty much work through over the course of this week. And each week we kind of move together as a group. You also get access to a Facebook group. And if you do the VIP option, which I so hope you will, you not just get access to this material forever, but you also come to live calls that happen three times over the course of the program. And that means we're going to be face to face, just like me and Amy are face to face right now on Zoom as a group. And we really dive into the material in a way where I can further explain it, make sure you understand it, 
answer questions related to the material, but also address the things that are happening in real life and how to put them into context and use in your life. And that's kind of the the benefit for me. But I will say that the people that come to the live calls get the most out of the program in general. And I just want to say, and Lisa doesn't even know that I'm going to, she probably doesn't want me here like hyping her up because in no way is, is outweigh a place where we're like, okay, yeah, now you need to take this course or sign up for that. But Lisa has these programs that she has poured her life into. Like this is your work. This is what you are passionate about. And you create this to help others. And I just want to pump you up for a little bit because I, again, have benefited from the course. And I want you listening to know that making an investment in yourself is okay. And some of you might be thinking like, oh, I don't really know if I even have the time for that or if I have the resources. Well, if you don't, then just continue showing up where you can. Continue listening to podcasts. Maybe if you're doing therapy or doing whatever it is that you're doing to show up for yourself so that you can be working towards this. But I will say that I didn't get to where I am without carving out the space to put in the work. And what was funny was I would always carve out space for a workout, right? Like I, I, I had no issue paying for a gym membership or yoga classes or whatever I wanted to spend money on to work out, I would do. And I would carve out that time as well. And it was interesting to see my perspective shift and think, oh, I don't know if I have time for something like this and then start to replace my workouts with watching one of Lisa's videos or doing a workbook. I mean, I like I said, mine is a puzzle piece. I had a few different puzzle pieces and Lisa's Instagram and curriculum and encouragement and wisdom was a puzzle piece for me. But I had other workbooks that I did. I had other online stuff that I was invested in, but it was over a couple of years. But I had to make that a priority for myself. And so I'll stop rambling just to say that Lisa is amazing And she presents things in a way that help you really understand it. And if you do have the ability to take this course and invest the time and make you a priority, I promise you're going to come out on the other side and part of your puzzle, you'll have another piece put in place and you'll be Mm. headed towards to where I would say I am now. And I'm, I'm excited. I get to say, and I'm not, I'm still, I still feel like I'm on a journey and I'm still learning, but I do feel like I'm a little bit more complete. And I know we have a lot of listeners that want to be there, but I don't want to say you're just going to get there by not investing in, in yourself in any way, whatever that looks like for you. Yeah. And I mean, there's a a few things that I want to say out the door. I mean, just to address price, because I know that's always kind of a thing. First of all, Outweigh listeners are getting 15% off and your code is OutweighHF at checkout. And I'll put all this in the show notes, but it's ForkTheNoise.com forward slash HF as in hungerfulness, ForkTheNoise.com forward slash HF. And then your discount code is going to be OutweighHF. That's going to be 15% off. The second thing I do want to say is that I really work hard to make my courses affordable. That has been noticed by people in the past that what I put into them in no way reflects what you're going to get. And that's because I am really passionate about helping as many people as I possibly can. For reference, usually courses of this type are three to four, maybe five times the price. But for me, I'm here to do this work for a long time and impact hopefully a lot of people. And this is a program where I really don't like to do any sort of self-promotion. It's just kind of uncomfortable for 
me. But I am really proud of this program, especially after seeing it come to life with the students who have taken it and watching them really make huge strides in their life. I really believe in this program and this work. And from a personal level, I can tell you that when I started to really understand the sensations in my body, make peace with hunger, get to know feelings of fullness, trust that if I want more later, I can always have it really break down so much of what I built up in terms of that control that we talked about here. Life got easier. And I think that we try so hard to control ourselves with these exterior things that we don't just control ourselves. We put ourselves in captivity of our own bodies. And when we let go of the controls that we think are going to keep us in place, only then do we find freedom. And the freedom feels like control, but it's not that tight, rigid control we were trying to put ourselves in a box or when we use the food safe or whatever, you know, silly kind of things you've done in the past to try and solve that surface level problem. We're getting to the root underneath and we're coming back to mind body connection. And it's not just about the food with this stuff. When we have the ability to connect with these parts of our bodies that are helping us communicate our needs. We not only become our own best caretakers, so we're nourishing ourselves and we're energized and we're feeling good and we're eating really nourishing foods too because that feels good, but we're also better able to make decisions in our life when it comes to career and relationships and boundaries and all these things that we've been too worried to do so because we just wanted to please other people. So I think my favorite part of just doing this work in general is the fact that when we start with the food, it bleeds into life. And that's what this is really about, making your life a little bit more peaceful, a little bit more joyful, and a little bit more better, recognizing that it's not easy. I love that you use the word captivity. And then just to put a bow on it back to, yeah, my my food safe. I might have been locking up my chips, but I was really just locking up myself. The food safe is just your example, Amy. I had a one-on-one call with a student after we wrapped up who just wanted to talk about some things. And on our last live call, she was a VIP student. She said, I'm I'm still using my fitness pal, you know, like a calorie tracking app. And I'm just really afraid to leave it. And I could hear from the way she spoke that she was actually ready to step away, but she needed a little bit encouragement. And I felt that If I gave her the push, she would want to do that. She just needed somebody to tell her it's okay. And so this was a few weeks after she had let go of it. And she said, Lisa, I have to tell you. And this is a little bit of a loaded conversation. It's not going to be all positive, everybody listening. She said, Lisa, I am feeling so much more peaceful. I have not binged in three weeks. I'm eating more nourishing foods than ever. My plate is balanced. I have energy. I feel amazing. But I have to tell you, I went to the doctor yesterday and they weighed me and I weigh the exact same. And all of a sudden, I feel like I haven't made any progress. And what's this worth? And we had a conversation about this, and I'm just going to call her Brianna for the sake of this story. But I said, Brianna, how do you track progress? If I asked you three weeks ago, what does progress mean to you? She would have said, oh, I, you know, I want to feel good in my body. I want to eat nourishing foods. I don't want to binge. And I said, well, did you accomplish those things? And she said, yes. And I said, so how could you say that you haven't made any progress? And she said, oh, I guess you're right. I was just chalking all my progress up to, you know, weight. And it just told so much about how we've been told to view what eating should do for our bodies. And that metric about her weight told us nothing about her true health, first of all, nothing about her true happiness. And that weight could also be the appropriate weight for her at this time. So for anybody listening, 
whether you take this course or not, I just really think it's an important exercise to right now take out an index card and make a list of all the things that you call progress. What do you want in your life? For Amy, I think you would have said, I want to be able to have a bag of peanuts with my daughter and not overthink it or have a birthday cake or whatever, you know, whatever it is for you. I just know that Amy gave that example on this talk. Maybe it's that you don't want to binge and you want to be able to just enjoy foods and feel good and make nourishing choices. Maybe weight is even on that progress report for you because it's your progress report. However you want to assess your progress right now, make a list, okay? And then in two weeks, let's revisit this. And if you are tracking your weight, you haven't moved away, feel free to put your weight on there. And then I want you to tally up your score. And so rather than feeling like you got a zero at the end of the month or the week, because let's say your weight was unchanged or it went up, which you might not view as a good thing, can you take into consideration the other amazing things that you've learned along the way and recognize that your GPA, so to speak, is really more like a 3.5. Maybe it's not a 4.0 in your eyes today, but you have a plenty of progress that shouldn't go out the window just because your weight has gone unchanged. Mm, I love that. I don't know if that's helpful, but we did that with my students this week who weren't in that call. And I just think it's it's very easy how quick our brains get clouded with old ideas unless we kind of zoom out and remember the big picture, which is so hard to do when we go into that fearful mode of, oh, my weight is creeping up on me or it's getting worse. And I already gained from the pandemic and all these things that we talk about all the time. And I don't want to minimize anybody's fear or say that that's not important. How you feel in your body is 100 percent important. But how you feel in your life is really important, too. And we got to start there. That's huge. Like that's yeah, I think that a lot of people might give themselves an F right away just based on the weight. And I'll just throw in quickly, too, before we wrap that Lisa was you used, quote unquote, Brianna's uh, My Fitness yeah. Pal. And I know that that's that's a real story with a client and you just made up her name. But, you know, you helped me get off My Fitness Pal. So I that you were part of me letting go of that. And very similarly, I remember texting you one night, probably one of the first nights I didn't enter in my food. And it's almost like I couldn't even go to sleep because I had no idea what my intake was that day. And I didn't know how I was going to sleep and then wake up the next morning. And it took me a few weeks to really finally settle. But I remember seeing a picture of myself about a weekend to deleting the app. And I thought in my head uh, that I looked bigger. And I sent you the picture and I'm like, I know you wanted me to delete my fitness pal, blah, 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 but look at me, I'm bigger. And you just said, you replied back, Amy, I, I honestly, if you were to show me this picture last week, you look the same, you look the same. But even if I did mm-hmm. look bigger for sake of this conversation, does that really matter? Because I finally had a little bit of freedom. I wasn't shackled to this app on my phone, um, it causing me to enter in every single thing that I put in my body. And that was a time suck and a fun suck. And a, that's the captivity. Uh, that's the captivity yes, that right is. there, right? Under the guise yes. of control. I'll, I'll just use the app and I'll be in control. Meanwhile, full on captivity. Oh, I need to measure this food to make sure that I put the exact number in yeah. and make stay in my green area. Well, for me, it wasn't that I went to the doctor and was weighed. For me, it was that, you know, we took a picture at work with some big artist that was in and all I could see was not like, oh, cool moment with this person at work. Like it was, uh is that what I look like right now? But if that I was grading myself on how my brain was seeing myself in that picture and maybe how my genes felt that day or whatever, when really 
I should have, like you're saying, looked at all the accomplishments I had had over that week that were actually better for me and my GPA would have been a lot higher. And that's bringing mindfulness to a really hard moment. That's bringing non-reactivity to a moment where your your primal brain, your limbic brain, your emotional brain, which is very conditioned to see your worth tied to your weight or your size, just jumped right back into command. So there's so many tools that we need to learn as to, okay, my body's feeling scared right now. What does this mean? Do I need to react to this? Can I calm down before I make any decisions and bring ourselves back to that higher level of functioning so that we can make choices that reflect who we really want to be. And I also just want to say, I remember the picture now and the artist and you looked radiant. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Good. Thanks. I appreciate that. Our favorite word or our adjective here on Outweigh. So yeah, Lisa, give the course info one more time. I'll put it all in the show notes so you can easily just scroll down and click, but forkthenoise.com forward slash HF and your code is Outweigh HF at checkout for 15% off. Most importantly, if you have questions, I don't want anybody to rush into signing up for this. If they're like, "Eh, I don't know if this is for me where I'm at, no course is for every single person. So feel free to email me at hello at forkthenoise.com. I'll answer your questions. And if you miss the deadline for March 21st, we still have that first week where you can kind of join in, even though the first module is going. You won't miss out on anything, I promise. Well, Lisa, I am thankful to have you in my life and to have you as a resource and to have, you know, to be a recipient of all of your hard work. Thank you for, for making this what you do. And thank you for allowing me to do this, which is my true joy of Outweigh. And I'll never get over this community and the emails we get and the DMs that we get from the listeners. So thank all of you for just showing up and making this a free, valuable resource to everybody. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see y'all next Saturday. Bye. Bye. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances. Whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities, or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death, we all want to know, what happened next? To find out, listen to Womanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 